We shall now turn to this passage which we read together, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, and we shall read again verse 20, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, and verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. By their fruits ye shall know them. picture here is simple. Maybe, for example, you've never seen a vine. You don't know what it looks like. Yet, if you saw a, what should I call it, a tree or a bush, with grapes, bunches of grapes growing on it, then you would know that that was a vine. Similarly, you might never have seen uh, an orange tree. But yet, if you saw a tree growing with oranges growing on it, then you would know that that was an orange tree. The idea is a tree is known by its fruit. Similarly, Christians are known by their fruit. By their fruit ye shall know them. First point then that I would like us to notice here today is that a fruit tree naturally produces its own kind of fruit. A fruit tree naturally produces its own kind of fruit. People don't gather grapes off thorns or figs off thistles. And a fruit doesn't make a fruit tree. You could Say you had, for example, a fir tree or a pine tree or a sycamore tree, a tree which doesn't bear fruit. And then you took along some apples and you stuck them on the fir tree. That wouldn't change the fir tree into an apple tree. You would have to change the nature of the tree before you could change it into an apple tree. You would have to change the wood that it was composed of. You would have to change its shape. You would have to change its leaves. You'd have to change its sap. You'd have to change the whole tree before you could change a um, fir tree, for example, into an apple tree. And this, of course, emphasizes to us that it's not enough, as it were, to polish the outside, to hang up a few apples on our fruit tree, as it were, to make them, to make our tree into a, a good bear, a, a, a tree which bears good fruit. It emphasizes to us that we need a radical change in our lives, that we need to be transformed. You must be converted. It's not enough to just change one or two things on the outside, to try doing good works. Good works are fruit. But if the tree hasn't been changed inside, then the good works don't really stick properly. They don't come naturally from the tree. They're artificial. They're hypocritical. We need to be changed from the inside out. Transformed. We need to be born again. Trying to bear the apples when you're still an old fir tree is no use. You must be born again, said Christ. You can't put old wine 
in, you can't put new wine into old bottles, otherwise the bottles will burst. You can't put a piece of new cloth, unshrunken cloth, onto an old garment, otherwise the, um, the rent, the tear, will be made worse because the new cloth will just pull in the old garment. Similarly, it's not enough just to try patching up an old man. You need to be made new. Each one of us need to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. New from the inside. New men and new women. So, just sticking on fruit doesn't make a fruit tree. Just trying to do one or two good works here and there doesn't make us into a fruit tree. Then, secondly, under this heading, the production of fruit is natural to the real fruit tree. A vine normally produces grapes. A fig tree normally produces figs. It's natural for the apple tree to produce apples. You don't have to force the fig tree to produce figs or force the apple tree to produce apples. It just comes naturally. It's, the, it's in the very nature of the apple tree to produce apples. And here, of course, you find tremendous encouragement to the person who's concerned about their soul and seeking salvation. Maybe you feel that you could never come up to the Christian standard, that you could never live as a Christian supposed to live. You feel that your heart is so wicked, you feel that you are so twisted, so evil, that you could never come up to that standard. And of course, you never could in your own strength and without being born again. This is the great thing. When you're born again, Christianity comes naturally to you. Of course, we must admit that as Christians we sin. We do many things wrong. But what a difference there is between the Christian and the non-Christian. The Christian has the capacity to bear fruit. The sort of natural ability because they've got a new nature. It's so difficult, so impossible for the person who's trying to be good living without being converted. You're trying to be interested in Christian things and trying to show love and kindness and meekness and humility and all the rest of it. And it all seems so impossible and so easy to slip back again into your old sins. But the great thing is, if you're born again, you're made a good fruit tree. You're made like the vine which naturally produces grapes. And so there's tremendous encouragement for you here. The production of fruit is natural to the real fruit tree. What you need is to be born again and then it'll come easy to you. It'll be natural to you. And your chief desire and your deepest wish, your greatest longing will be to be fruitful for God, to live for him and to stop sinning. As Christians, we do many things wrong, but our heart's desire is to please God. And then, 
further under this heading, thirdly, the purpose of a fruit tree is to produce fruit. That's the reason why we have a fruit tree. It's to produce fruit, good fruit that is. The reason why you plant apple trees in your garden is so that you'll have apples. Or a pear tree so that you'll have pears. The reason why you have gooseberry bushes and blackcurrant bushes in your garden is so that you'll have gooseberries and blackcurrants or blackberries. The purpose of a fruit tree then is to produce fruit. And of course, the purpose of a Christian in this life is to produce fruit for God. The reason why we exist, indeed the purpose of every man and woman, the purpose of your existence is to produce fruit for God, to glorify God. That's why you're in the world. And it's only by asking yourself, am I producing fruit for God, that you're going to find out if you're really fulfilling your responsibility, your duty, your position in this life. God created you to glorify and enjoy Him, that is, to bear fruit. And if you're not doing it, then you're unfruitful, you're barren. And so in this, in this uh, passage we see, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Trees are expected to bear fruit. What's the use of a fruit tree, an apple tree that doesn't bear apples? You just cut it down and throw it away. It's useless, it's abnormal, there's something wrong with it. It's no use to anybody. And Christ says to us, John 15 verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you might bear fruit, and that your fruit might be, should remain. I've chosen you, and I've ordained you. Way back there, long before you came into existence, way back in eternity, I elected you, and ordained you, so that you might be fruit-bearing. That's the purpose of our existence in this world, to bear fruit for God. I wonder then, are you a cumberer of the ground? Remember the parable Jesus told about the man who planted a fig tree in his vineyard, and then he came year after year looking for figs in that fig tree, and there was nothing to be seen. And he cared for it, and he looked after it, and still there was no figs on it. For seers of it, cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? It's just taking up space. It's just using up the good soil. It's easy enough to get another fig tree. Is God saying that about you? Why are you cumbering the ground? Just filling in space. Cut it down. Cast it into the fire. It's no use. And then the vine dresser says, leave it for one more year, just one more year, and I'll try again, and I'll dig about it, and I'll dung it, and I'll prune it, and I'll care for it. One more year, and then, if it doesn't bear fruit, cut it down. Is God saying that about you? I'll give you one more year. Or has he said, you've had your year? Are you a cumberer of the ground or are you bearing fruit?
we need to examine ourselves because the very purpose of our existence is so that we might bear fruit to God and also we must strive to bring forth more fruit if we are bearing fruit then we should try and bring forth more fruit for God because that's the reason why we exist and that's the way we can please our master please our God we must strive to bring forth more fruit and fourthly there's a warning here the warning is every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire if you don't bear fruit you're not going to be left just sitting around drifting along you're not going to be left just taking up space spoiling the garden every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire it's a warning there for every one of us those who aren't Christians if you're not if you haven't even started to bear fruit there's a warning there for you and those who are Christians there's a warning there for you too how much fruit are you bearing every tree that beareth not fruit is hewn down cast into the fire a fruit tree then naturally produces its own kind of fruit secondly a useful tree is distinguished from a useless tree on the basis of the fruit which it bears. You can distinguish the useful tree, the good tree, from the bad tree, the evil tree, the corrupt tree, the useless tree, on the fruit that the trees bear. By their fruits you shall know them. By their fruits you can distinguish a good tree from a bad tree. This section of the Sermon on the Mount starts with Jesus talking about false prophets. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. False prophets coming amongst the sheep, just like sheep. They've got wool on them, and they look from the outside exactly the same as the sheep. But inside, they're ravening wolves. They're not there to bear fruit. They're not there to help the sheep. But they're there to prey on, them, on the sheep. To destroy them and to tear them apart. <clears throat> Beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruit. They come in disguise. But do men, do men gather figs or thorns or grapes off thistles? No. You'll know them by their fruit. A thistle that bears thistle's fruit. A thorn bears thorn's fruit, which is nothing. Useless. And so, every teacher who comes our way, every minister we hear, every preacher, we must examine them and examine their message to see are they false prophets it's not enough to ask the question do they seem to have converts 
because people can have converts without necessarily being good prophets. I remember being told about a minister who was living in sin with another man's wife and at the same time was seen it would seem lots of conversions in his congregation. Conversions in and of itself is not a sufficient guide to good fruit. Even unconverted ministers could have good could could have conversions because God can use even Satan for the glory of his name. So what must we do when we're looking for fruit? We must view the whole life of an individual and every area of that man's life. We mustn't just view one narrow area like converts or being able to preach or being good in prayer being kind to the poor. We must take everything together. We must view the whole life of an individual in every area. Secondly, we must take a long-term view of it. It's not enough just to look at a narrow section of a person's life or a person's work. Because a, mind, a person might seem to be getting on really well for a short period. And then maybe all the fruit which he had will wither away. We must take a long term view of the situation and look for lasting fruit. And then thirdly, the clearest fruit of all is obedience to the revealed will of God. And if there is disobedience to the Bible, doesn't matter what else there might be, that's a false prophet. Obedience to God's word is the clearest fruit of all. Doesn't matter what other fruit might seem to be there. If obedience and a humility before God's word is not pleasant, then what we have is a false prophet. Sometimes we're too keen on looking for outward dramatic results. The most important thing is faithfulness to the revealed will of God. But this passage isn't just talking about teachers or preachers or ministers. It's talking about every Christian. Look at verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who seems to be religious. Not everyone who prays. Not everyone who comes to church. Not everyone who seems to be very godly and upright will get to heaven. And not everyone who seems to have very dramatic fruit in their lives, who performs miracles and heals the sick and casts out devils and does all sorts of great and dramatic works. Not everyone who prophesies and who foretells the future by the power of God or whatever. Not every one of them shall get to heaven. 
We've got to examine ourselves and see is it the right fruit that's there. Examine every area of our lives. Not just some sort of dramatic frothy fruit on the surface, but that inward, constant, abiding fruit. Is it there? Sometimes it's not so easy for the person himself to see the fruit. Jesus says, by their fruits ye shall know them. Or other people shall know you by your fruit. Sometimes it's very difficult for the true Christian to see any fruit in their own life. But the people around them, their friends, their neighbours, their relatives, they'll see the fruit. By their fruits ye shall know them. A useful tree then is distinguished from the useful one in the fruit that it bears. And we must, in looking for fruit, view a person's whole life, take a long-term view of it, and remember that obedience to God's word is the clearest fruit of all. Finally, it's important for us to look at some of these fruits that we are supposed to bear. By their fruits ye shall know them. What then? are these distinguishing fruits that belong to the Christian. We've already mentioned the most important, the first one. Obedience to God's word, a reverence before God's law, a desire to do what God says to us in the scriptures, and to try as best we can to keep God's commandments. That's the first fruit of a Christian. The second one that I would mention is poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The person who's poor in spirit is a person who's conscious of his own sinfulness, mourning over sin. Blessed are they that mourn. A person who's conscious of not having come up to the standard that God has set. The person who's always longing to be better and feeling that they're getting nowhere, feeling that they're doing so little for God. Oh, that I would bear more fruit. Oh, that I would be more useful to God. Oh, that I could be more pleasing to Him. Is that your attitude? Or is your attitude, well, I'm not really doing such a bad job of my life after all. I've got just as much fruit in my life as so-and-so. And there's that person that calls themselves a Christian. And, well, I think I've got just as much fruit in me. That sounds very like a person who's just like the fir tree and sticking apples on the outside of the fir tree. A truly converted person, changed from the inside, is yearning to bring forth more fruit and feels that they're doing nothing for God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So poverty of spirit is a great mark and distinguishing fruit of the Christian. Another thing is interest in Christian things. An interest in the Bible, an interest in prayer, an interest in church, 
an interest in worshipping with God's people, an interest in discussing the things of God, a love for Christian things, for the means of grace, and the ways whereby God's grace is bestowed upon, upon men and women. Do you have an interest then in Christian things, a real interest, a deep interest, a greater interest in Christian things than in anything else? fourth fruit is that Christians have a high moral standard. They exercise self-control, moderation. We often come across the word temperance in the New Testament. Temperance not just with regard to to drink but with regard to everything. The idea is one of self-control. Keeping one's body in subjection not getting carried away with any passions worldly passions or lusts high moral standards fifthly there's love love is a great fruit of the spirit's work in any individual if there's no love in your life doesn't matter what else is there for I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have not love I am nothing. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love I am nothing. Though I give my body to be burned and have not love I am nothing. Love to God. A Christian loves God. Christ and the things of God. And the Christian not just loves God but loves his fellow Christians. Has a respect for them and prefers others rather than themselves tries to help loves God loves fellow Christians and loves sinners I heard just the other day about somebody who was claiming um, to be converted and showing a very arrogant attitude towards unbelievers they would taken an unbeliever to a certain meeting and then insulted them in the presence of others and so on I felt that um, there was a very clear evidence there that although this person was saying that they were filled with the spirit and that they were Christians that they weren't Christians at all the person who's a true Christian has love and compassion and sensitivity towards fellow believers but also towards those who have not as yet come to know the grace of God who are still poor sinners without God and without hope and then there's meekness and humility meekness controlling our temper humility exalting others rather than ourselves and then there's the fruit of hope true Christian hope and faith and joy and peace and so we could go on do you bear fruit do you have the fruit of the spirit in your life does it bother you how little fruit you have it's a good thing if it does repent of your lack of fruitfulness and strive by the grace of God to bear more fruit to him 
be not barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know the Lord and Savior. And you've received knowledge of the gospel. Don't let that knowledge be barren in your life. Be not barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But seek to bring forth fruit unto God. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Do your friends know you? Do your neighbours know you by your fruits? To be a good tree. A Christian tree. Or are you barren? Unfruitful. Strive to bear fruit for God. And if you're unconverted, seek to be born again. Because that's the first step. And it's essential before you can start to bear fruit for God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we pray that we might not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. But we pray that we might bear much fruit to thy glory, that thou wouldst help us and strengthen us and work in us and change us and transform us and make us like Jesus. For Christ's sake, amen.